Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Checkfront, the booking platform trusted by over 5,000 tour and activity operators around the world. You can start your own free 21-day trial over at Checkfront.com. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hello, listeners. Today, we bring you a new series on Tourpreneur called Meet the Agency. I'm Sean Teasley, marketing consultant and owner of Social Tonic, and I'll be hosting these fun and nerdy digital marketing conversations. In each episode, I have invited three others to join me. First, a tourpreneur looking to increase their digital presence, a marketing agency serving the travel industry, and lastly, a tour operator client working with that agency. Let's dive into the conversation. To give you a rundown on who's on the show today, let me first introduce you to Alan Rust, CEO of America Tour Company operating culinary tours and history tours in Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Colorado. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. As a quick intro, is there anything else listeners should know about you and your operations? What really makes us unique is we let guests pick when they want to go on tour. So it definitely makes our business model a little bit different. We're not trying to fill tours. We're trying to be the most flexible we can for the guests. Excellent. Next, we have Chris Torres, founder of Tourism Marketing Agency, located in Scotland, serving travel businesses all over the globe, helping with their marketing efforts. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. Tell us, what are TMA's superpowers? I would probably say it's our combined knowledge of the tourism activity sector. Um, no, our TMA was probably one of the first companies in, uh, that came out just to dedicate themselves to marketing uh, tour operators and activity providers. And I just think with the amount of knowledge we've built up over the many years we've been in business, no, I don't think anyone can come close to our level of knowledge when it comes to marketing tour operators. So I think that's probably our superpower. Excellent. And lastly, we have Amber Rittinger, founder of Be Wild Adventures and Wellness. She joined us from Vancouver, BC, and is a current client of Tourism Marketing Agency. Welcome, Amber. Hi, thanks for having me. Give us a little background on your tour business and your target market. We do guided hiking and nature tours in uh, the Sea to Sky region or around the Vancouver area. Our goal is to take away the barriers. So we guide small groups, we pick people up from their locations, and we make it really easy for them. And, and like Alan, we do have a set schedule, but people can call us and schedule a time that works best for them as well. Demographic primarily has always been international, but with COVID and a lot of the changes, we're starting to see a little bit of a shift in that, which is actually pretty exciting. Excellent. Tell us a little bit more, like when you say shift, what's that look like? For the last year and a half, almost two years now, we haven't been able to see any international clients. So with a little bit of um, marketing, <laughs> we have started seeing all Canadian clients. And even more recently with our hikes, locals, which we've never had before. Local has never been our demographic. And now we're starting to see that. So we're pretty excited about that. Okay. In this conversation, we're going to dive into Facebook ads, additional platforms that have solid returns, and a quick check-in on using Google things to do. Chris, let's start with you. What are your top three things business owners should know before engaging in a marketing agency? It's never a get-rich-quick scheme. Um, you know, a lot of people will come to an agency 
expecting instant results and that's just not what happens no if an agency is doing their job properly no you have to go through research and making sure the website uh, and you have that sort of strong platform the website's in a, in a good position no you have to make sure you're creating content that attracts your customer and has the right tone and creating like videos and images and all these different things so you, you have to put all that in place and it's actually probably by month three you only really start putting out the stuff that you're starting to produce because you're taking two or three months to actually create all the content and do all the things and the strategies and everything else. So uh, so I think it's a, a misconception when people use a, an agency that they think they're going to, things are going to happen immediately. That's just, that's just not the case. Secondly, I'd probably say use an agency that is focused on tourism or tours and activities. Um, and the reason why I say that is I've had so many businesses come to us, so many operators come to us who have had a bad experience, an experience that could have been a lot better um, and normally has been down to that agency not really understanding the sector, the tourism activity sector. But what tends to happen is a, an agency who doesn't know the sector will treat a tour or activity just like any other product and, and advertise it as such or as market as such. But as we all know, tourism activity is such a different beast. You know, you have to market that and, and grip by grabbing people's Know, attention and you know, getting across your story and you know, highlighting all the different things about your business before they even think about booking a tour or experience. And it's not just about, here's a product, this is how much it costs, buy now. That just doesn't how it works. And a lot of agencies will do that if they just don't understand that sector. So using an agency, I would say, that knows the sector well. Just little things like you know, having to say to an agency, you know, what, what is an OTA? You know, that has came across. That an agency doesn't know this sector, doesn't know what an OTA is. So it's little things like that that just you know, that sort of cause, causes frustration if you don't uh, use an agency that knows this sector. Third, I would probably say is it's more for the operator side. You know, if you are looking for an agency to help you generate more bookings or more booking inquiries, make sure you actually have the sales processes in place at your end. Believe it or not, and it's not the first time it's happened, we you know we have worked with some operators, we've created lots of leads for them, we've created bookings for them, but they've not had the time to manage them because they've been too busy or they've not had the bandwidth to do it. Um, in my opinion, you've always got the bandwidth. Though, rather than spending that extra hour watching your favourite show on Netflix, where you could be trying to close sales in your business. So, so there's always these things that you could be doing that people sort of put in front of themselves to say, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. And it's you can always find time, in my opinion. But no, that's that's the big one, I would say, is probably from the operator side is, is, is number three, is just make sure you have the bandwidth, you have the, the operations in place, you have the staff in place, to handle the extra bookings and leads that will come in from hopefully when we're working with an agency. Great. No, that's really good. Alan, give us a baseline. As someone who has worked with a couple other agencies and you've run Facebook ads before, tell us what did and didn't work so far. I think the biggest challenge we had was, personally I had, is just trying to get things set up correctly. That is probably the most confusing part of Facebook advertising is the accounts. And we have uh, five different accounts that we're trying to advertise through. So it gets to be pretty confusing. What really didn't work in one agency case was it wasn't, what we did wasn't tailored for our business model where, like I said, we're a little bit more flexible and we don't take last minute bookings. That wasn't factored in. So we were actually targeting incorrect markets. So that was a challenge. We started running advertising based on specific tour types, but we really just got no bookings out of it. Engagement went up, but not really any um, conversions. And when you say tour types, you're saying history versus culinary and that nature? Even down to our, um, like a Lafayette Square District history tour in St. Louis, we were advertising down to that to that level. It really didn't connect. Going into starting to work with this agency, you had started set up your back end of Facebook and then handed it over to the agency. And so there's confusion of when you set it up versus then when they took it over as well. Or what can you say more about that? Partially, yes. Um, the, what we were doing, because we're just getting started, and we don't have a budget for full agency support. So basically, they were going to supposed to do strategy get everything set up on the back end, and then I was going to execute all the ads and the strategy that we did. Accounts on the back end seemed to be a really big problem. Don't think they ever really got fixed correctly. And that had been a problem from another agency we had worked with. That was probably the most confusing part that I still don't think we're at 
the right place. Gotcha. Wow. All right, Chris, from what you've heard from Alan, what else do you need to know about Alan's business to like start thinking about how they could maybe do Facebook ads better? Yeah, so in, in terms of, of the Facebook ads you've, you've been running, have they been mostly you know, advertising your tours and putting out there as, as that product, as I mentioned earlier on? Has it, has it been advertised like that? Or are you doing something more than that? Uh, it's been that product specific. Um, and we've had different formats we've used for Facebook feed versus stories. I mean, that's pretty common, but we did try to specify and even put some motion into the, to the stories. So the way that we normally approach it is we don't tend to focus on the product initially and advertise the product initially. Um, and Amber will hopefully allude to this, but what we tend to do is, and I hate to use the word funnel because it's, it's a word I detest, but we tend to run a series of ads which will first highlight you know, uh, something about the destination. It's a nice piece of content driving people to that sort of blog and something that's going to inspire them to know more about your business and, and everything else from there. And that's what we run first. And then that's what we call the sort of inspiration ads. And then the second ad that we run is maybe uh, what we call the sort of trust ad. So this is maybe showing you more images, more videos, some reviews, that type of thing. And then by the third or fourth ad, that's when you're asking for the sale. You know, you're, making, you know, you're basically trying to sell the product to those who have engaged throughout those two or three ads to begin with. Um, or if it's inquiry-based, no, asking for the, no, people to fill out the Facebook form or the form on your website and inquire that way. And that's where we tend to get a lot of good results with it, doing it that way rather than just going out and advertising products straight away. So that would be the first thing I, was just, I would say is no, build up that, that sort of inspiration stage, build up the trust, because if you build up those two, people are more likely to buy from you at that stage. So that's, that's the way we tend to approach it when it comes to Facebook advertising. And videos as well, no, using videos, we tend to find work better than images most of the time, but that's not to say images don't work. It just depends on the message you're trying to tell. But no, with what you mentioned there as well about, no, it wasn't really producing a lot of good results for you. you know, that's why I always say you know, the research is such a big thing. It's making sure that that particular ad is going to hit whatever audience it is that you're going to target, whether it's hyper-local, whether it's in other parts of, of the United States or whether it's international, whatever, it's just making sure you really are hitting the right people, right demographics, the right ages. What you tend to find is someone will run ads for every age group, whereas ads for a 25-year-old is going to be completely different from a 45-year-old, so you just need to tweak your content. And, and one of the best ways I tend to find um, some of the things with Facebook ads is to upload lots of images to Facebook, upload different types of text and let Facebook work out which combinations are actually going to work out well. And sometimes that can really work well as well. Um, we, we do that every now and again, but most of the time because of the research, um, we know the type of content that we need to create. We know the type of imagery is the type of ads that we need to create and then put that out there and it tends to work. But if you do that sort of funnel again, that word I don't like, but if you do that sort of funnel method, that tends to work best. So my question, just because we are nearly 100% domestic, I won't use funnel, Chris. I'll say uh, customer engagement path. <laughs> Is that too long considering we've probably got a shorter decision time period for somebody who's driving in from four states away? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from from that. If it was, I would still sort of follow that sort of method that I'm mentioning, maybe not have as many ads, but someone coming from a neighboring state, for example, um, will still need to be inspired to, to visit your state. Maybe no, that's that's the big thing. They may have not even thought about coming to your destination, but after seeing your ad, they may think, actually, this is what I want to do. And it's because they've been inspired by having a, a product ad for people who have already arrived at your destination who may not have seen your ads. Yes, I would say, yeah, that's where you maybe would have more sort of product-specific ads for that type of thing. But if you're attracting those destinations around you that are local, then having maybe one, two ads at the beginning with before you ask for the sale is, is probably still going to work pretty well, to be honest. Um, in fact, we did that for a, a recent uh, company um, who, we, who were wanting to do cycling tours. We would normally do cycling tours in Europe, but because of the pandemic, they've not been able to do that. So what they did was is they, they focused on New England, which is apparently, uh, according to them, is seen as the Europe of the United States, and um, a lot of sort of similarities. So we did a campaign targeting specific states that were high on, on cycling and, and everything else to try and bring them to that area. And you know, the amount of leads that they got and the amount of inquiries was incredible. So in, that, in a space of about six weeks, and that was a lot of inspiring content before you actually went in and asked for the sale. So. And Alan, even prior to COVID, were most of your tour takers driving clients? Before COVID, we were probably 50-50, what we call local, which is in the metro or um, visitor, which is outside the immediate metro. We are much higher now. 
I forget the exact number, but we're, we're almost all like regional or local. I love when Chris was also saying this, like inspirational stage. I don't know, Chris, do you ever use that word um, brand awareness? We're doing a brand awareness type campaign too. So the thing that just don't actually know, there's a thing that a lot of operators don't like hearing is the word brand awareness because it's ultimately, they think it's not generating them revenue, but it's completely wrong aspect to think about. No, it is going to generate your revenue. It's just, as I say, it's going to take you that little bit longer. Well, Facebook is, is a different beast because when, you know, when you're using Google ads, someone's maybe already got it in their mind, a destination they're wishing to go to or, or wishing to travel to. So maybe they're specific, you know, they're, saying, they're maybe typing in things to do in New York or Glasgow or whatever it is they're, they're, they're going to do a search on. But with Facebook, you are, in a word, being rude because you're on your Facebook feed and all of a sudden you see an ad and it's just like sending out fly a thousand flyers to you know, dropping that in a particular destination. You've got to try and inspire people to pick up the phone or get in, in touch. But with Facebook ads, you can be super targeted. So your, your flyer is going to work a lot better than a traditional printed flyer. So think of it that way. So you don't know where you're going to do that is by inspiring them or, or something like that from there. So um, so that's that's the big difference. But brand awareness is key, especially on Facebook. Um, just on that whole topic, it gets me really excited right now because I used to hate, not hate, but like it, it is, you hear brand awareness and you hear spending money with no results. I'm on the opposite end of it now. We're seeing it. And Chris is absolutely right. Like even myself, I get so annoyed scrolling through Facebook and seeing an ad, but what's been happening, like, I guess what we've been doing with our campaigns is it is brand awareness. It's not an ad for a tour. It is a suggestion, like an image, a video, something that's really pretty that you're like, oh, what's this? right? It's not so much in your face. It's just, you know, this is here. So Amber, tell us, what are you running with Chris right now as far as ads? We actually have a few different ads going on and it is based on some conversations we've had over the summer about our target market because we're split right across the board. Like we're as even male as we are female. We're as even 20 year olds as we are 40 year olds. So it was really hard to decide how to market that because Chris is absolutely right. People receive the same message in different ways. So now we have a couple of campaigns going on that are targeted to those age ranges or even budget ranges because people that are traveling on a budget and staying at cheap places to afford the things, they might have a different budget than people that are always looking for the elite exclusive VIP things. We do guided hikes for backpackers. We also do guided hikes for private, like people who want all inclusive, all about them. So they're going to be completely different ad sets. Gotcha. And how long have you been working on your Facebook ads with TMA? I think we've been working on it pretty much since the beginning. And I've been with TMA for a year now. And of course, I jumped into that in the middle of the pandemic going, oh God, this is either going to bankrupt me or pay off. (laughs) So (laughs) And luckily, it was a good decision working with TMA because, yeah, it's taken time, but it always does. And we were so busy this summer. I'm having a problem keeping enough guides. I mean, that being said, it's still not pre-pandemic numbers, but we're seeing that increase and not just an increase in numbers, but where we're getting the bookings from. Prior to COVID, Be Wild is a newer, newer business. We've been running for about six years, but prior to COVID and working with TMA, we were... 95% OTA sales. Now we're about switched that. Most of our bookings are coming through our website, which is amazing. That's the the whole thing about the the bigger picture. No, it's not just Facebook ads we've been helping Amber with. It's no redoing the the website, no doing the SEO in the background and doing all these other things. And all that just works in combination with each other um, and just makes it for a better experience for the the end user. And that's why I have to admit that's the first I've heard that. And that's fantastic that there's been that switch from OTAs to direct bookings. And it's just it just shows you that if you put in the time and the effort, it can be done. Well, and listening to our clients we've been hosting, I mean, the majority of them speak up and it even shows in our reviews that they are rating not just our tours, but our personality. They're rating our guides and how the, the character of the guides and That is amazing for me as the owner of the company, because that's why I started Be Wild. I started it for those people who maybe aren't so confident to get outdoors, try and make it more accessible. I did it to be more instead of um, a huge bus tour sort of thing to be your friends for the day. Right. And it it seems like that's coming across. So it's it's really exciting for us. Alan, do you have any follow-up questions on hearing how this is going for Amber and Be Wild? I do want to interject one thing we did find out about during the the agency time. We found that as we were running Facebook ads, 
one thing we realized was struggling because the OTAs were putting our uh, tours on Groupon at a discount. So we were trying to advertise to get more direct bookings, competing with TripAdvisor, who was discounting our tours in the same first page of search engine results, right? So, so we did end up cutting off TripAdvisor completely and um, it has had a little bit impact, but that is something everybody should probably be aware of. If you're going to spend the money, don't compete with your with the OTA. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big issue. Um, a lot of people don't realize, a lot of operators don't realize if you're using TripAdvisor or any other OTA, there's a good chance you're on hundreds of other platforms that you probably don't want your business on. Uh, and like Groupon, for example, because of the whole discount side of things, and it's, it just gives you the wrong impression for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't like it. And that's that's what you're up against, unfortunately. We actually removed ourselves from TripAdvisor over a year ago because it was just, I, I didn't like, not a miscommunication, but just, there was just some things that I wasn't comfortable with. <laughs> so we removed our tours off. I mean, we still have, we can still be reviewed on TripAdvisor. We're still there. We just don't sell any tours through it. The other thing we found, we had been tracking in one of our metros guests who were not tipping. And we tracked it down to younger guests booking through TripAdvisor when they probably were coming from Groupon and they were frugal people. So they weren't going to be tipping. So that was really one of the other reasons we ended up getting off TripAdvisor well. Yeah, I've said that a lot. Um, a cheaper customer, you know, or cheaper sort of um, offers usually bring cheaper customers, and that's 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 just highlighted that. You know, if you if you're if you're marketing yourself properly and you're charging a fair price, you're going to get a better customer at the end of the day uh, who will tip and do all these other things that you want them to do. So it's something really seriously to think about. Yeah, we've listened to the advice that's been given to us, <laughs> and um, we don't even do sales. Like we might do, say, a Mother's Day promo or. You know, we do the few things we do donate tours as well to charitable things, but we don't really offer sales because as I've been told many times, people will keep waiting for those sales. So instead of creating a sale, we just make our experience that much more valuable to, to make that price really worthwhile. So we do the exact same thing. I come from decades in the retail industry. Once you start offering discounts, the only thing you can do to grow your business is to add a deeper discount. And it just spirals down from there. So we're right there with you. Yeah, it's, it's music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what other changes have you noticed that your team is making when putting out these Facebook ads due to COVID? I mean, obviously we're looking at a different location, you know, tighter in, but what else are you making changes to? To be honest, what we've found during COVID is... Yes, ads for asking for you know, someone to pick a product do still work, but we are finding, or we have found, even up till today, you know, more and more people are inquiring rather than booking, um, just because of the nature of the pandemic. People have lots of questions. People are now wanting to go out on sort of smaller groups and private groups and all these other things. So those type of things, if you're going with a group of friends or families, that tends to, and the consumer side tends to take more planning because they have to work out between amongst themselves who's paying what and doing all these things. So that tends to work in terms of being more inquiry-based. And we've seen a huge upturn in inquiries over Facebook using either the website, but more so that the uh, Facebook forms um, have been working incredibly well. And again, you can't that can be abused if you're not targeting right. You can just get lots and lots of crap through it, basically. But no, if, you, if you're targeting properly and uh, it's bringing in the, the, those targeted leads, then it's going to give you lots more opportunities to try and close that sale. But we've Facebook Forms has been the big one. Um, I've seen increase over the last 18 months to two years just because of the nature of the, of the last, last couple of years. And Alan, are you currently running Facebook ads across your five locations or where do you stand right now? We are not. Uh, we definitely noticed a severe drop off after second quarter in business. In some of our cities, we're actually worse than we were in 2020 right now. So it's tough. So we are not currently advertising, definitely keeping up with social media. And that's one thing I guess I also wanted to bring up. Like, Chris, is it is it reasonable to be able to work with your agency to work on the uh, non-paid as well as the paid? Because, you know, we're on... Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, TikTok, and we're, we're on all of those. And there's definitely strategy and a mix in all of that, I think, to, to for your total marketing plan. Yeah, no, we've got many customers ask our advice on or we help with with just SEO or social media or 
know, adding content to a website or whatever that doesn't involve any paid advertising. So yeah, we can help with pretty much any type of service that you can think of when it comes to marketing a business online. When you're thinking about running your Facebook ads, having your organic feed full and beautiful and is so important to be able to actually having those Facebook ads run as well, run, perform well. Definitely. You know, if you're running ads and people start going down that rabbit hole of knowing more about your business. No, they're going to check out your website. They're going to check out your social media. So keeping all these things up to date. It's not just that, no, especially with the past two years. No, if you're not keeping your, your social media up to date, no, people will just think maybe your company has went bust in administration. So by keeping up to date and letting people know that your business is doing fine, not I was going to say well, but that's probably the worst word you could probably use in the past two years, but it's doing fine. You're still in business. You've got little stories from your staff going up or whatever in your tour guides. All that just helps inform the consumer and gives them trust to say, okay, these guys are still in business. I'll maybe book from them. But if you've got a social media platform that's been dead for the last two years, no one's going to book from you if they see, see that happening. So. Yeah, it's even worse with COVID. <laughs> like that was a thing prior to COVID is making sure that it looks like you're still operational, but now people are even more skeptical because of COVID. Yeah, for me, even last year when we quite literally could not run tours, I mean, I think that happened for everybody. We, we ran hikes. So I was going out and doing my own hikes and I was posting about those. I mean, I'm not very good at social media, but I try, but it was just something to keep it moving along, right? We don't get much business from Twitter, but to Chris's point, I post something on Twitter every week, just honestly, just to make sure that there's some content out there. If that happens to be the platform, they go to check us out on. That's the perfect thing, especially if you can get into your automation and do, you know, just your four posts per month. And then it's just goes out on its own. One thing I was just going to add there about you know, the Facebook ads, you know, don't be scared to mention prices in your ads or that can actually help with the qualification of, of customers. You know, we ran a campaign in England who does tours across you know, the Cotswolds and, and, and that type of thing. And they, they're chauffeur driven, so they'll come to London, they'll pick you up and they'll take you across the Cotswolds for a day or a weekend or that type of thing. So very private, very niche. And when the ads were coming in, we were getting, you know, they didn't have the price on them and the leads were coming in, they just weren't what we're, what we're wanting or expecting. And as soon as we added in the price, that's to say, okay, for a group of people, it's going to be 500 pounds or whatever it would be. That's when you get a lot more qualified leads. People have where you were sort of pre-qualifying people and things like that. So don't be scared to add your price on your, uh, on your ads as well, because it can help massively in terms of, especially inquiry-based products. Mm, that's a great tip. Okay, Amber, you had mentioned that you're not the greatest at social media. Are you doing your own organic or is that something that TMA is doing for you? At TMA has been doing my social media. I mean, I had been doing it by myself, but I mean, to be fair, I wasn't expecting things to shift as suddenly as they did this summer. So I'm in the boat of, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I can post pretty pictures, but to come up with something smart to say with it, I was just getting overwhelmed. So they, they do that too. So I was very happy to let them take that over for me. <laughs> Yeah. Consistency is so important with organic. It is. Yeah. I was just going to say, even, even if you're using an agency for social media, um, no posting things up, et cetera, that doesn't mean you can't post things up yourself. No, things may happen in the moment. You may take some videos when you're out on tour. Don't be scared to say, oh, I can't do that because my agency is working on it. Post them up. No, there is no harm. Just the, the more content you can put up there, the better. So stories that's what we were doing maybe not as often as we should have but yeah we were definitely still doing our own stories to be more like in the moment and it's really great when you give access to um, some of your tour guides to say hey I might not want you to post in my Instagram feed because I want to have the nine grid look good but the stories is a great place to give them creative elements as well yeah we actually incentivize our guides to give us content while they're tour so they get rewarded for for that so we're always getting good content got a quick message from one of our sponsors and then we'll get right back to today's show stay tuned do you spend many nights sitting at your desk trying to figure something out in your booking system to make it work better for your business with Checkfront, you'll always have access to a friendly support team who's quick to reply with a step-by-step -step solution, no matter what you need help with. Find out other ways Checkfront can make things easier for you at checkfront.com forward slash tourpreneur. Tell us a little more about how 
the reward works. We have a host rewards program, so they get rewarded for different things that they do, most of which they we do want them to do, but they earn points and then they can get cash rewards when they hit different hurdles. So, you know, we want them to send group pictures. What I'm trying to get them now, because you mentioned stories, but Reels is even that much better as far as the number of views. So we're trying to get some some video content from them. But uh, the group pictures that we get from every tour, that's probably our most engaged social media that we post every week. Yeah, the type of post. Yeah, no, just as an add-on to that, if you're doing lots of photographs and videos, always think about Google My Business as well as a social media platform. A lot of people don't even think about that when they're, you know, they maybe set it up, put their listing up and then completely forget about it, where it's no posting on there with regular posts, posting up the videos, posting up photographs, just helps your rankings immensely. Um, So just the more you do that, the better as well. So taking photographs and videos. GMB for us is huge. I mean, there's months where we're getting 1,000 views just from GMB. And I go and I post, I do a post every week and I do post our group photos on there as well whenever we we get them. That is number one priority. I actually forgot you can even do that until just now when you said that. So thank you. (laughs) Well, and then also if somebody stumbles upon your Google Maps listing, then you can also see all the photos there too. It's very underrated, but extremely helpful. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, we dabbled into Instagram, TikTok. What are some of the other really beneficial ROI type platforms that you're seeing some of your other clients using right now, Chris? There's obviously, it's still very much in its infancy, but we we, we can already start to see there's going to be a Google things to do. It's going to be huge in terms of advertising and that type of thing. There is some issues with things to, uh, Google things to do, which I'm hoping they will solve in time. But we can see that being a huge platform for Google ads and things like that. But again, that will only work if your rest tech is connected to it. So that's the downside. One of the things I don't like about it at this moment in time is, is if it lists all the sort of products that are available, it doesn't really give you any context to what those products are and the prices. No, so you may see one ticket or a price for a tour is $20, say, just for talking sake. And then the last one might be $500, but it doesn't give you what's the difference between both. No, one's obviously just maybe a ticket into an attraction, whereas the other one, you've actually got your own personal guide and everything else and that type of thing. So it doesn't give you that, but in fact, hopefully in time that will come. But in terms of a, an advertising platform, it's it's another space where you can take up that, that real estate, especially on a mobile phone, you can take up that real estate at the top, hopefully get you in front of an OTA because that this is what Google thinks that it should be doing better than the previous one that they had in terms of you being able to compete more fairly with OTAs and, and that type of thing. So we'll, we'll see through time, but that's going to be a, a big one going forward for a lot of operators um, for, for, for sure. So, And currently, from what I'm seeing, it's the tickets available are just for attractions. Is that what you guys are seeing as well? It, it's not open to experiences quite yet? From what I know, it is, but I don't know if anyone's using it as much yet. No, it's I think a cool things to do um, was only recently available in the States for a little while, and it's only now just coming out and things like the UK and stuff like that. So it's it's still very much in its infancy, um, and I'm sure things, as I mentioned, will change. But but yeah, it's predominantly as attractions at this moment in time, but we have seen a few tours pop in and come into it as well. Alan, so thinking about secondary to Facebook and Facebook ads, where would you want to take in some more insights and information from Chris? I do want to pass along one tip actually uh, about Pinterest, which is a great organic. And then I guess, I don't know, from Chris, it would be next to Facebook. Where would you spend money or is it all just Facebook right now? So Chris, after looking at Facebook, Facebook ads, where would you suggest entrepreneurs spend their marketing dollars next? It doesn't necessarily need to be things like another ad platform. No, for me, it would be optimizing your website, spending money on SEO, spending money on getting content written. No, a lot of operators just won't have the time to write blogs and write content and do all these things that you should be doing on your website. That really helps with your direct bookings because it helps with your organic reach. Uh, it actually helps you, especially if you're, if you're in the future or if you're already doing Google ads, no, having a more optimized website, having optimized landing pages specific to a product or a destination or a particular topic will actually reduce your Google ad cost and give you a better cost per click from that as well. So I would say if, if next to Facebook ads for sort of those immediate type of inquiries and bookings and things like that, the next thing you should really be spending your money on is making sure your website first is 
a good platform that uh, works well on mobile. You know, it's easy to navigate, do all these things, but then the SEO and the, the, the sort of ongoing content from that, because that's such a key aspect when it comes to ranking on Google. So that would probably be the next thing I would spend the money on. In fact, if I'm being completely honest, I would spend the money on the website first before I even thought I'd be doing Facebook ads, to be fair. That's where I would I'd spend the money on is the website and SEO. I'm going to second that because they've TMA has done that for my company and the website optimizing it, even the copyright on it. I wrote on it what we do. I thought I had a good description, but how you say what you do matters so much. And they're rewritten version of some of this stuff has really mattered. And also the blogs. I do not want to underestimate the blogs because TMA has helped us with that as well. And looking at our SEO over the last few months, there's one blog in particular that a lot of people have booked from. And that was written about the best hikes in the area. And a lot of people that come to BC, they they come here for our nature. And a lot of people want to hike. So when they see this blog, They've got the top hikes to do, and then they're calling us on it. So I really enjoyed that. And the, and the blogs weren't even like, I'm to be wild. I mean, you kind of slipped that in there, but they were legitimately just about the best hikes in the area written from be wild. So we were getting the calls on that. So the, the written content really does matter. And if you've got the ads that are attracting people on the website, it's not that good. They're just going to bounce. I'll give another vote to SEO because We've honestly grown our business simply on SEO. We haven't really done that much advertising until we tried it this year. So, and again, yeah, blogs, blogs that are location, not your company specific. Like in one area, we wrote an ultimate 48 hour guide to this city. And of course, in that 48 hours, you're supposed to do a couple of tours with us that's in there, but that's not the title of the blog post, like she was saying. No, I have to give you huge props on that, Alan, because I was looking at your websites for each of your five locations and you even have like the top five coffee location or coffee restaurants and um, pizza. You do that very well on each of your locations. I know that you've invested. Yeah, and that's what I was mentioning earlier about the, the sort of inspiring content. It's writing things. It's not necessarily about your business or promoting. Well, as, as you, you said, Alan, you maybe have those little soft links in a text, somewhere in the text to take you off to a product or something like that. And you maybe only have one or two of them, but the blog or the article or that inspiring piece is, how is it going to help the person be inspired to come to your destination? Don't even think about buying your product, but even just get to your destination. And that's what the content's about and that's what it should be doing. And then you sort of lead them off, hopefully, from that and they'll find out more from you. Uh, for once, once I've read that. So, all right, Amber, what's one thing that TMA is not doing for you today, and you wish they were? I'm gonna say I love everything they're doing, but the one thing that maybe they don't even offer it yet is uh, post ad campaign email marketing. I need so much help with that. I know I'm supposed to follow up. I have so many leads coming in from these campaigns, but I don't know what to do. And nor do I um, seem these days to have the time to learn it. Oh, that, it's certainly something we can help with. Um, no, doing email marketing, whether it's pre-sale or post-sale. So if it's something you want, no, obviously speak to Amanda or one of the team that we've got at TMA, but not Jenna, but speak to one of them. But it's something we can certainly help you out with in terms of advising the best ways to maybe set up some automation emails. So at least someone's getting an email when they make an inquiry. So to let them know that you're that you're on it, that you'll be in touch with them shortly, that type of thing. And then from there, there's always going to be that manual aspect of you having to get in touch with them to find out what it is they're wanting to do. And that, of course, so there's going to be that aspect of it. But there's there's nothing wrong with setting up some automations for when a sale comes in. But even after the tour's finished or once they've made that booking, let's say they're not going to arrive to your place for, say, six weeks or something like that, then you could be drip-feeding them weekly content about, okay, you know, if you're going to be arriving in Vancouver, you know, it's, as Alan was mentioning, you could try out these top five places. These are five restaurants I recommend, or this is this, this is that. And having those little bits of content and emails to send to them while they're to sort of whet their appetite before they get to your destination and you know, take out the tour with you, you're giving them more helpful guides. That's all something we can help write and, and, and do for you. And then creating an email to ask for a, rev, a review at the end of all that as well and, and all these other things. So this is all something that we can help you out with. So you know, more than happy to help you. I know our email campaigns, when someone signs up from one of our ads, they go into the email series and they get, I think it's like four weeks, emails following up with each of them. And then that ends. And what I'm receiving is an email lead. So that that's it. It just comes with the email. And I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> 
I don't even know what it is they lead it on. <laughs> yeah, but one thing I can we can do for you is actually help you create a template in terms of what you can do is in terms of a sales email to send back to them. So something that's obviously not too sales focused, too sales heavy, something that gets across your personality. And then that's something you can, with lots of different types of software, you know, you can just change the name, change some detail, key details within it. But for the most part, would be written and then you send it out to them. So that's something we can certainly help you out with. So I, I do have friends that help me out with some of my um, computer challenges. <laughs> I do have MailChimp and friends have been teaching me how the funnels work and all that. But I mean, it is, it's a foreign language to me, to be honest. Um, computers are not my thing. Um, creating tours is. <laughs> so yeah, it's just one of those beasts that you know you need, but you hate. <laughs> Alan, is this an area as well for you? Yeah, we we have emails from every guest that's been with us. And since we've got a network in the Midwest, we need to figure out how are we talking to them to visit another location nearby. That's I guess that's kind of like Amber. That's one thing I don't have time for, don't know how to do it. And I also hate getting too many emails. So I don't want to be the person sending out too many emails. Yeah, no, I completely understand. But it's certainly something that when it comes to a sales email, you know, we can certainly help out with you know, writing, even whether it's just the initial email you send out to them or a couple of follow-ups. That's something we can do. So happy to, to do that for you. And maybe another aspect is to even look at, some people put off with them, but even looking at something like a chatbot. So having that on the website, which actually asks questions from the person that's on the website, you know, what type of experience are you interested in what type of products are you interested in with yourself but it could be walking or do you want to do a waterfall tour or something like that and then as they click on that you can either take them to those product pages or take them to more of an inspirational piece of content which would probably be better or say you know i want to chat to a live person and then you know you can have someone there obviously chatting to them and trying to close the sale that way which does mean having someone there for that but there's all these different things that you can do to try and automate things as much as possible but you've got as i say but when it comes to emails when it comes to sales especially sales and when it comes to that sort of things you're always going to have that sort of human life sort of interaction element within that as well okay alan we have to know so you've worked with a couple other agencies in the past at what point did you realize this isn't working and then how did you break up with them one agency just ended up really not to have time for what we were going to do so we just weren't really making any progress so that one was a hard pass. The other one wasn't exactly tailoring things right for what we needed. And it was also a timing things where things just absolutely dropped off. So we decided to take a pause and that's kind of where that one is at. Although in thinking about it afterwards, I just don't think it was being tailored for our business model. Chris, how do you set expectations right from the get-go of what clients should be receiving as far as uh, monthly reports and performance? You know, the client knows that what's going on. Yeah, no, it's, it's something an agency should set out right at the very start. You no, know, what's the sort of, we know timelines can change. You no, know, things happen, but you know, giving them a, a base timeline of things that you're trying to keep to. You no, know, we always give monthly reports, but we don't just give up send across a PDF report. If, if, if Amber, for example, wanted to talk to Danny for SEO and know everything about that, she can. If she wants to talk to the content team, she can talk to them directly as well. No, it's not Communication is key when it, come, when it comes to working with an agency and vice versa. So it's, it's it, you have to be upfront with everything that you're going to get. But even if, you know, with Alan sort of mentioning there about you know, breaking up with an agency, this was actually one of the reasons why I set up TMA in the first place is because I worked in other agencies who had tried to make it as difficult as possible to break up with them, which annoyed the hell out of me. So I was like, no, I wanted to do something different. So it's, if someone wants to leave, they want to leave. Don't hold them over a barrel and say, well, you can't get access to this. You can't get access to your website. You can't do this. You can't do that. We give everything over. No, we don't hold anything back. No, we always sort of say, if you're setting up, the big ones are things like Google Analytics or your tracking software and all these things tends to be set up within an agency's account, which then you don't have access to. And it's things like, oh, set that up within the client's own emails, the client's own accounts so that they have complete control over it. And then if they decide to leave, they can leave. And the same comes with a website, give them full access, make sure that they can take it with them if they wish. No, we don't hold anything like that back. And at the end of the day, no, if they're going to leave, they're going to leave and they'll, no, they'll do their own thing. But we have had customers that have came back and because of the good breakup they initially had with us, because they they were obviously promised things from another agency. It didn't happen. And then they actually thought, okay, these guys know what they're doing. And then they came back and, and we started working with them again. So it's, you just never know what will happen down the road. And it just gives you a bad reputation. So 
break as amicably as possible and give everything across that you can give to uh, an operator. No, I always ask for references. I always say that when you're when you're going to work with an agency, ask for references. It's not the first time I've sent a potential client uh, an email and Amber's spoke to them behind the scenes in terms of how we work and everything else. So, um, And it's helped them have won that client over and that type of thing. So always ask for references, figure out how they work with a particular business. Every operator is not for every agency. No, personalities may clash, that's whatever. No, that's that's just the nature of business. No, you're never going to be able to please everyone. But for the most part, if you're completely upfront with the pricing, with the structure, with what you're going to do, no, we don't have anything. It's hidden that they, they don't expect. No, just put everything up front, make sure everyone's happy and then... It just makes it life a lot easier in the long run. Toot your horn here. They don't pay me. I pay them. <laughs> Honestly, one of the things I love most about TMA is, first of all, the clarity. I don't know anything about marketing. I do now. I took a course over COVID. But it's the report. It really is those month-end reports. The, the previous agency I was with, was it was a very brief time. So I had just started with them and then COVID hit. So we dropped that. But they were sending me the month-end reports and I had no idea what they said. But the reports I get from TMA are so detailed, even for me, who doesn't understand any of it, it made sense. And even the the first one where there was bits I didn't understand, Chris is right. I talked to the the team and they they took the time to go on a Zoom call with me and explain it all to me. So it it just made sense. And it's all laid out in a way that someone like me who doesn't really fully understand the marketing end of it or the analytics, but understand it. So that was really, really helpful. I'm still hung up on how you're handling so many social media accounts. Don't make me think about right? it. Right? <laughs> My mind went poof. <laughs> five times in the four or five channels that you're on. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a big job. <laughs> I don't I don't envy you with that one, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, there's similarity, right? So like I know that on Mondays I post post my group picks. So it's not like I'm trying to think of different concepts for all five. It's like, this is the concept I'm doing. And we've got a guy now doing reels for us. He's doing video. So it's the same topic, just replacing the city name. There's repetitiveness that makes it a little easier, <laughs> but you're still entering it that many times. As an organic guru, it is all about the schedule and knowing, you know, even if you have themes for every day of the week or every first Monday, having that allows you to sit down and do the content in so much more ease than if you were just to show up on the day that you think you're going to do social media, you blank and it won't be consistent and it won't jive and it'll reflect it in your posts as well. One of the things I always advise as well is creating like a month's worth of content ahead of time. You can obviously slot things in as and when they happen during that, but if you create like 30 days worth of content, you know you're going to be fine for those 30 days. You can keep adding to it for the weeks and months ahead because you will get days where you're too busy or you'll get days where you're maybe not you're maybe feeling under the weather and you can't be bothered to do a video or whatever. You will get those days, so at least that you'll know in the back of your mind, actually, I'm going to be fine because there's content being posted up and being scheduled already, and then you can just add to it as and when you can. But you know, doing that sort of schedule, as you're saying, and creating that sort of backlog of content really helps. It's amazing as I like talk to different entrepreneurs, they're a little resistant at that. And I cannot recommend it enough to batch it out, to sit down at one time and it really will flow and you'll have a theme for the entire month as well. It puts you at ease, right? Because you know, you have a plan and you can get your content ready ahead of time instead of like, all right, it's Sunday. I've got to figure out what I'm going to post this week. Oh my gosh. And I'm supposed to be at so-and-so's house or dinner. And it makes it a lot easier because you can think ahead. Even for TMA, no, because we've been really busy during COVID, thankfully, no, we've been, we've been, it's been good that way. No, we have sort of neglected our own social media a little bit because we've been busy with everyone else's in terms of the operators we felt. But I literally sat for two days and created three months worth of content and it's all been scheduled up. And that literally took two days, maybe three days at the most with adding some articles that I've written in between that. But no, it can just take you two or three days you get it, you'll get those two or three months up as and when things come in or when the ideas come into your head, then it gives you that freedom to think, okay, I'll, I'll add this in because you know you're going to be fine with the rest of the content that's already scheduled. Mm, Amber, now that you know Alan's business a little bit more after he's talked, to, do you have any other ideas that might be helpful for him? I mean, I'm constantly reflecting back, reminding myself, I don't know, maybe two of my business mentors, you know, you know, well-known people, Darren Hardy and Richard Branson is always like, 
you're not trying hard enough unless you F up, right? <laughs> you got to make mistakes to get better. So I'm constantly reminding, okay, you didn't screw up. You're practicing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Darren Hardy, who always says, be a master of the skill you're good at and hire out everything else. So you're not half-assing everything. You're perfecting what you are good at and you're letting the professionals do the stuff you're not good at. So that's been a big thing for me as well. All right, this has been a great conversation. What else do we have for our listeners today as far as extra tips for managing their digital marketing or just operations in general? For me, I'm always thinking back on my two business role models, perhaps, um, Richard Branson and Darren Hardy. I've read a lot about both of them. And with Richard Branson, I'm constantly thinking, if you're not effing up, you're not trying hard enough. You, you have to make the mistake. So I'm sitting here going, I didn't make a mistake. I'm practicing. It's all good. We're learning. And with Darren Hardy, it is be a master of your own domain and hire out everything else. So for me, I know how to guide tours, create tours, do all that. Marketing's not my thing. So I hire that out to the professionals. Enter TMA for me. Couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. And no, that is, uh, I, I would just quickly add to that is if you can afford to is hire a business coach as well. No, just like elite sports, people get better because they have sports coaches. Business, so I have my own business coach and it's always has, just to echo what Amber says, he says, if you're going to hire people, hire someone better than you because that's just the only way you're going to move your business forward. So it's, it's, it's such a big aspect. That's why I've got such a great team behind me, because I know how to do a bit of SEO. I know how to do some Facebook ads. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. But these guys could do it a lot better than me. I guess my tip would be, one thing I learned in a conference last year was that Pinterest is a great opportunity. And you think about it, people go there to look for aspirational places to go. So they're already going there looking for places. We started putting our blog posts uh, group photos as well as location photos on there. The great thing about Pinterest is you can actually put a link directly to the landing page you want. So you can get people to click through where you can't do that on Instagram. That definitely is, we're actually getting more traffic from Pinterest than we do from Instagram. So that was a good win for us. We're going to try to figure out how to do more with that. I have one thing to add on to the end of um, my initial comment there, which is Myself included, I know a lot of operators will say I don't have the budget to hire all these things because I am in that boat too, usually. But I also believe that you have to give to get, even like our tours, just to get reviews up there. We've been operating tours with one person, which is a financial loss, but that one person leaves a review. And because of that review, another person books and leaves a review. And that's been a, another way we've been picking up business is by spending a little more than maybe we have, <laughs> but there's been the return on it. So, Wow, this was a great conversation today. I feel like we've given our listeners a lot to take in, some digital marketing tips and potentially what it looks like to work with an agency. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Tune in next week as we continue this series with two more tourpreneurs and a marketing agency, discovering more about how to increase your digital presence. And of course, if you enjoy the content from Tourpreneur, leave us a review on your podcast app. Thanks for listening to the Tourpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit tourpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Tourpreneur.